Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey folks, it's Matt Zachary and welcome to Vax On, a brand new weekly segment of my podcast, Out of Patience, right here on the Offscript Media Network. Hey, I'm Alura Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth. Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door. Matt gets me. He knows I'm tired, annoyed, and sometimes pushed to the brink by the intense chaos of our lives right now. We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation. So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. Conspiracy theorists and haters shall be neutralized on site. All right, Matt, let's get at it. So, I mean, I assume like everything we just talked about for the last minute and 47 seconds is just going to be how we start the show. But we technically have a first segment, which is how the hell are you? Um, I hate everything. <laughs> so nothing's new. This is like the snowpocalypse version of my life and how much I hate everything because of the fucking snow. So it snowed for one day, like as you know, right? And and for, and- wait, and for the listeners, <laughs> Elora's in South Jersey. I'm in South Jersey near Philly. It's known for a day. And it caused like a who's on first episode of vaccine hijinks that ripple affected my family into like apoplectic rage. Okay. So like we started with my son was supposed to get the COVID vaccine, but then it snowed. So it got canceled. So, okay, fine. Like that's, you know, that's respectable, right? New Jersey sends a message that says, just come the next day at the same time and you'll get your vaccine then. But the state didn't talk to the county, and the county said they'll email us. And the hospital said, check the Facebook page, and there was nothing on the Facebook page. So we showed up to get the shot, and they told us to go home. And then we go home, and we get a voicemail that says we missed the appointment. That sounds accurate for Jersey. Yeah, I was just like, I can't. Like, I can't. Like, I'm just trying. And by the way, that's not all, because that's just like step one in snow messing with my life. Because step two is that now my son has lower SAT scores because of the snow. Right. Follow this. See if you can follow this domino effect of go, insanity. Go forth. I'm hearing. <laughs> okay. So this is like the bouncing ball of medsanity. So you know my son is narcoleptic, right? And yes. That means that he takes medicine that can only be procured from one pharmacy in the whole country. You know, so that's fine. So like once a month, we all take the day off work to make sure that we're there to get the medicine in hand, in person. And it's like, it's like being in ancient Greece in the Olympics. Like they hand us the torch and then we (laughs) bring it in. Like this is what's happening with the medicine, right? And they're like, and you can't lie the bottle down. It has to stand up. So it snows for a day and somehow the medicine is like mysteriously held up for an entire week and no one knows where it is. Not FedEx, not the pharmacy. No one knows where it is. And I guarantee that those bottles are not standing up. So oh boy. my son my son now has to go an entire week 
without getting a good night's sleep because he's in a state of perpetual sleep deprivation, which means that the $2,500 SAT course that I'm paying for isn't very helpful because he can't stay awake during it. So that's where we are right now. This is because of one day of snow. How are you? Dear Phil Murphy. (laughs) And I don't even know that it's New Jersey because the medicines came from St. Louis. So it's like the whole country had snow for a day and couldn't figure it out. I mean, it always could be worse. You could be in Texas. (laughs) You could be in Texas, right? I mean, not to laugh at the people in Texas because that's a whole other shit show. Yeah, that's a dear power grid free market bullshit story. You know, now that I'm in a position where I rely on medicine every day for my son, Every time there's a power issue or a transportation issue or like any of that, the first thing that I think of now is like, oh shit, what are people doing that are taking daily medication? Because it means that you're like basically down for the count until whatever the problem is gets resolved, which is really a major stress. Like even if it's not a life-saving situation, the amount of stress is just unbelievable when you're dealing with that. Well, the ripple effect, too. I mean, again, we're making fun of Texas, but the ripple effect of that on people who have children with narcolepsy or people on chemotherapy regimens or people who can't get to the hospital because of COVID and now no electricity. Yeah, this is a really big clusterfuck that we have to all deal with. And if you take into account, right, like there's all the people that have really serious medical conditions, like sick people, right? Then you have people like in my family where I don't consider us sick people because we're functional. We go about our day and and we're generally fine, but we rely on medication to stay well. So that's like a whole other bunch of people. And then there's people that have, you know, even more minor maybe health conditions, but they also rely on medication to be at their best. So by the time you you factor in all the sick people, all the people who rely on medication to stay well, and all the people who rely on medication to stay you know, at their best, that's a lot of freaking people. And, and if all of those people are messed up because of FedEx or bad weather or whatever it is, like that's a mess. I feel like I got nothing on you in terms of how horrible <laughs> your week was, but I guess what my, do you got? My, my wife's school opened and closed and opened again. Again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I really, I don't understand. I don't understand with the schools, with the opening and closing. Well, we're going to get to that in our in our third segment. But yes, managing all of that and, you know, public disclosure, I had a relative fall. They're fine. But in the interest of like who's covering oh, the kids and homeschooling and tech support and all this crap. Yeah. Um, first world problems for like, I guess, the privilege I have. But at the same time, it's still not that great. Ah, anyway. Right. It's still str- like and it's always that weird balance between being grateful that you're not dealing with something much worse, but then really being super fucking aggravated with what you are dealing with. Because even though it could be worse, it's still annoying in your general daily life. Yeah. I mean, th- there's a place to recognize where you live in the strata of socioeconomic benefit or not, but it's still <laughs> it's fucking horrible to just deal with it for yourself and owning that is is clearly what we're ranting about right now. Right. It's like, tell that to my mood. Yes, it could be worse in other places. Absolutely. Just tell that to my mood because my mood is pissed off. On that note, we'll be right back after we pay some bills. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So let's move on to our second segment. We want to talk about some of the ridiculousness and, you know, we call it the fuckery section, but I, I think we, we can't not lead, I hate double negatives, with these two women in Florida who pulled off like um, an Estelle Getty, you know, dressing older than she really is or they really are on Golden Girls. I think Estelle Getty was like in her... 50s and played an 80 year old woman on golden girls these two women dressed up like geriatrics to get free vaccines but they were caught on their way to the second one which means they slipped through the first one i guess props for being creative and innovative but still a little shitty do you know what i think so there were so many things about the story that sort of cracked me up so i mean the two young women they were in their 20s so and they were you know dressed up like grannies and they were wearing lace gloves which is sort of funny it's like what a 20 year old thinks a grandmother looks like right right right. i mean you you only have to be you know what 65 to to be you know in line for the vaccine like they're literally dressing like miss havisham over here like i I don't know that they needed to take it quite that far they're not like victorian grandmothers you know so and and the other thing is why did they need to dress old if if they were going to sneak in why couldn't they have just pretended that they had some underlying health condition that maybe wasn't visible on the surface well i'll channel your lawyer like it's the people that show up in court with the neck brace that have nothing wrong with them yeah true true like i just I don't, I just don't get it. I mean, look, everyone wants the vaccine or lots of people want the vaccine. And I I get not wanting to wait your turn. You know, of course, you know, we're like living in a society here. You have to wait your turn until it's, you know, you're supposed to go. What I thought was really remarkable about this is that when, when these two girls were, were found, the, the police like read them the riot act and they told them that if they even showed up again, at the vaccine center, they would be arrested on site, which is pretty harsh. Wait, so were they denied the second shot? I mean, you can't, can you yeah. do that? They were. They were denied the second shot. There was some question about 
whether they had actually gotten the first shot. Mm-hmm. You know, they had they had a vaccine card that said they got the first shot, but who knows if that's even accurate? Because if it is accurate, then they should just give them the second shot. Why would you waste, you know, it's sort of like, you're not wasting it if you give it to them, even though they jumped the line. They're still getting the benefit of the vaccine, even if it maybe wasn't fair. You know, I don't know why you would go ahead and waste the vaccine. No, it's like, and there's a public benefit to it, even though it's a horrible way to say there's a public benefit to it. Right. There is a public benefit because the more people that are vaccinated, the better it is for everyone. So even though we want people to, you know, to wait their turn, the bottom line is it's actually it's not as much taking it away from someone else because it helps the better, you know, the greater good anyway. But of course, I, I imagine they probably wanted to make an example out of these women to discourage someone else from doing the same thing. And let me tell you, there was surveillance footage of the whole conversation. And these girls were scared. You could tell they were so scared and they were apologizing to the police. They promised they would never come back. So, they, you know, hopefully maybe they learned their lesson to not break the law in the future. I mean, it's just like dear black market CDC ID card industry waiting to happen. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Yes. All right, moving on, we have another story here. Women who have been recently vaccinated against COVID-19 should delay mammograms for at least a month. I would love to know where this came from. Yeah. So, you know, I read about this and this is like, you know, the, the precursor to Sophie's Choice COVID edition, right? Because what do you do? Do you get the mammogram and then delay your COVID vaccine? Or do you get the COVID vaccine and delay the mammogram? Like, you know, I guess it depends on what your personal health history is. But medical experts, a number of experts actually have come out. Um, and I, I did some research on this and I found it, in fact, all over the internet. In some places, the advice came from these advocacy groups that promote, you know, getting mammograms and other cancer screenings. Um, And some just from, you know, expert doctors talking to media, you know, what it's saying is you get the vaccine and many women get swollen lymph nodes from the vaccine, from the vaccine, which is also a sign of breast cancer. So it it doesn't mean you're going to get hurt if you get a mammogram afterwards, but your mammogram may be inconclusive or may show something that's, you know, maybe may a false positive, um, which is not really what any of us want. That's not really the point of a mammogram. You want to make sure it's as accurate as possible. Right. I was in exactly the situation because I canceled my mammogram last spring because of COVID and then rescheduled it and then realized I was going to get the COVID shot. And then I was like, I need to make sure that everything is in the right order. I mean, I wonder if the diagnostics companies that are in the mammogram space are asking people who have scheduled appointments if they've gotten the vaccine and asking them to reschedule. I wonder if they are. I, I bet you they're not because I, I'll tell you what, like no one has asked me if I've gotten the COVID vaccine for anything else that I've done. You know, no one was like, oh, by the way, did you happen to get the COVID vaccine? So I, I you know, I, I, I wonder if they're doing that. It doesn't really seem like when it comes to the COVID vaccine that the left hand knows what the right hand's doing. Like you have to walk in and be like, I got the COVID vaccine and then ask, like cross-examine them to get the answer that you want. And that's this week in fuckery. Get your mammograms, people. Don't ask me when. Just get it sometime. The alternative is, you know, trying to get a mammogram while social distancing from the person who's three inches away from you sticking your (laughs) boob into that squishy thing. So it's like, really? All 
right, Matt, now it's time for Not Fake News, the, you know, uplifting part of the show <laughs> where we talk not about fuckery, but about good news. Yeah, it was always downhill when we started, but now maybe climbing back up somewhat. So what's going on? Yeah, so President Biden wants schools to open like so many of the rest of us. And he said that he wants most K-8 to schools open five days a week within his first 100 days in office. So I think this is good news, I think. Well, I, I was listening to Leanna Wen, props to Leanna Wen, um, today on Twitter. She did an interview where she talked about how, I guess, in the interest of like states' rights and eugenics, some of the major metropolitan areas will have herd immunity of their own. It's not a, all of a sudden one day the whole country has herd immunity. There are so many more people trying to get vaccinated in major blue markets that New York City might see herd immunity in a microcosmic way more quickly, which would maybe get the unions to back off a little bit and actually work with the state government to open the schools per what Biden wants to get done. So, I mean, so that's a good thing. You know, what you just said really goes to the heart of what the issue is here. And I sort of wish that the discussion about opening schools always had that other half. Like, in other words, yes, we're, we all want them to be open, but I want to know why. So if you're going to tell me, yeah, it's because certain places have established herd immunity. Awesome. That's great. That's what I want to know. Um, but that's very different than saying, you know, this community should open. Why? Well, we've just been closed a long time and it's difficult. You know, I want to know from medically or statistically, why is now the right time? And I think that because things are so different in different places, it makes the conversation really rough to have because it's, you know, it's it's local. And when you see the president say, well, you know, we want it to be everywhere. Well, I mean, I hope it happens everywhere, but, you know, I don't I don't know if it's going to happen everywhere. I hope it's based on science and not political pressure. Well, I think the allegory is also like the minimum wage conversation, because 50 bucks an hour in, you know, some rural area could be a lot more money compared to cost of living in 15 bucks an hour in Manhattan. Right. So right. It, it can't be as much as it is like a a, a federal uh, dogmatic wish that could affect all Americans. It can't happen writ large. It has to happen in almost like microeconomic success stories. Yeah, it has to happen in like little individual bubbles. But you know, I I think though that there is probably value in the president making that statement just so that everyone hears. This is what we want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, whether or not it can happen, you know, it's not up to Joe Biden whether it can happen or not. You know, he doesn't he doesn't hold all the cards of like, you know, who what the COVID numbers are. Right. But but it definitely is comforting and helps to know, like, look, the guy who the buck stops with him really, really wants this to be the case because you know that he'll take some kind of political credit if it happens. So great. If there's anything the federal government can do to help us out. I'm glad to know that, you know, that he's motivated to help us out. You know, hopefully the decisions are made with, you know, I don't know, good science in mind. So pseudo hypothetical public health survey of all parents who have kids in grade school. If we were to ask them, you know, bipartisan, how much would you like your kids to be able to go back to school full time safely and get your life back? How many would say no, thanks? <laughs> Let me say this. I think only some would say no thanks. And I think the ones that would say no thanks are parents. And it's I think it's a small subset. But I think it's the parents who have found that because of something particular to their family or their child, their child is doing better at home 
working remotely than they would have been in school, whether it's because a child has medical conditions or learning needs or social needs or something like that. I think you will find a small subset that's like, no, we want to stick this out, keep doing it remotely. But I think for the overwhelming majority, if it were safe, you know, we all would want to be back. In fact, I filled out a totally non-hypothetical actual survey about two hours ago where my school district said, if we can keep everyone socially distanced, do you want to come back four days a week? And I was like, yeah. But the next question was, but what if we can't keep them socially distanced? Well, again, it also speaks to the science and the data around, you know, transmission rates in kids and immunizations in teachers and where do we fall in prioritizing educators to be immunized within 100 days in market. I mean, New York has one point something million kids. It's like its own country of education. This goes back to the lockdown and how we start opening and closing schools based on zip codes. It it cannot be a one size fits all versus, like we said, like a smaller school district in South Jersey. I mean, I'll say this, though. I think that prioritizing teachers and school staff should be a universal thing because it, it should be step one for everybody to send their kids back. We should know that the teachers are in the best possible health situation. So I, I don't really understand why that's not universal. Because let me tell you, if I found out that my child went back to school and the teacher tested positive for COVID, I would be pissed, not at the teacher, but I would be pissed at the environment that didn't set that teacher up for success. It also opens up another floodgate to teachers that do not want to be vaccinated and against the multiculturalistic nature of New York City. Oh, yeah. Right. And right. If you have a lot of people that don't want to be vaccinated, then that comes that causes a whole other issue. I don't know. You know, it's like the lawyer in me wants to make sure that people's individual rights are protected. And then the the mom is like, I don't care. Just get vaccinated to protect my kid. (laughs) I don't care about your individuality. So it, it's like a constant tension in, on those two things. Right. And that's an entire other rabbit hole. I think I've said that word like nine times so far in this episode. you got rabbits on the brain. Well, it's spring. You yeah, know, rabbit Easter. True. That is true. <laughs> Have a chocolate bunny. Well done to get bring the Gregorian calendar into this. <laughs> but, you know, we talk about vaccine hesitancy. We'll probably cover that next week because that's becoming a, a major narrative in communities of color. There's natural hesitancies to do this that are ingrained in 200 years of institutional racism and disenfranchisement. So again, other rabbit hole to deal with that, but it makes sense. In New York City, there's a huge diversity in the teaching population based on background and origin and and culture. There can't be, like if it's everyone is white in South Jersey, it doesn't work that way. Right, right. It it is, right. I think you're exactly right that we really have to take into account a number of things. I think, you know, where people get their information from, because, you know, I get so much of my information just from my my mom friends and my peers. And, you know, I'm lucky because I live in a community where the average person in my community is educated, professional, you know, two income household. Most of these people are getting information from primary sources and they're not, you know, getting it from conspiracy theory, weird news websites and shit like that. So when I get information from another PTA mom, I can, you know, I'm not going to blindly trust it, but it tends to usually be accurate. Yeah, and, and if you if you don't have that, I think you're at such a disadvantage. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, again, I'm also coming at this from the lens of I live in New York, I work in New York, I'm born and raised in New York, and I'm glad that the initiative 
really isn't high school specific because then you get into all the nuances of subway travel and transportation and packing up the MTA trains with more people that may not wear masks and increased transmission rates. I mean, for what it's worth, and I'm making this up, but I think this is fact-ish or factoid-ish. <laughs> fact-ish. Transmission rates in Manhattan have been consistently very, very low because everyone gives a shit about everyone else here by and large. So if we open up the high schools, it lends itself towards more people using public transportation. But it's been shown in New York that the subways have not really been sources of transmission, even though they're at 20, 30, 40 percent ridership. So I'm glad to come full circle to where I started, that this is largely a Biden initiative driven specifically for K through eight. Right, right, right. I, you know, it's interesting you say that about um, mass transit, because once the the pandemic was about midway, you know, from like, so maybe summertime, like late summer, that's when I started to really go places for the first time since the shutdown. And Manhattan was one of the first places that I went. And I didn't expect that I was going to take the subway, but I ended up on the subway. And I was so afraid. I was really, really freaked out. It was one of the first places I went. And I was so pleasantly surprised because to this day, I can't really remember being anywhere where I felt so safe because of the way people were acting. People were so conscious of not getting in each other's faces. They were so conscious of giving people space when they were getting on and off. Everyone was wearing a mask. I really got the sense of New Yorkers were just taking it so, so seriously in a way that, you know, didn't quite match up with what I saw elsewhere. Like, I mean, people are really good where I live too, but it wasn't quite the same. It was almost like New York had like hospital staff. They were like professionals at dealing with it, um, you know, maybe because New York got hit so hard in the beginning. But it, it was, you know, interesting to say, I think I agree with you that, you know, in places where people, you know, care about each other, it helps. So again, coming full circle on this issue, we can wrap up by just making maybe premonitions or surmising the fact that, you know, what are going to get teachers confident that they can go back to work. But again, it's it's so N of one, which is a jargony science term for it's individualized per county or per city. What is going to get teachers comfortable to go back and feel like they're not going to be at risk? Because we know largely the kids aren't going to be at risk against, you know, this greater good conversation. Again, we can tackle this next week. The mental health of these poor kids, you know, depression is on the rise. Suicide is at an all-time high for teenagers. This is horrible stuff. And at oh, what cost are we doing this for our public safety against what we're doing to our children? Yeah. I mean, at some point, it's like time to really think about how can we balance it. And to me, I, I always go back to why can't we just figure out a way to ventilate things better? You know, if that's the main source of transmission – why can't we just have bigger places with more space and more ventilation? I mean, is it impossible? Really? I just don't believe it. I don't believe it's impossible. Like take over a freaking shopping mall and put the second graders in there. Put them 15 feet apart if we have to. It's not impossible to figure this shit out. You're, like uh, where there's money, there's solutions like anything else. There was that conversation. Uh, if I were home, I'd be staring at the window of my kid's 190-year-old school that was erected in Brooklyn during the Precambrian era of <laughs> Earth's Earth growth, <laughs> yes. but why can't they move them into the giant mall outlet, you know, and take over I, I unused retail space? Yeah, like I don't get it. Like, there's movie theaters. Literally, there's movie theaters set up to show media. Sit the freaking kids in there. Broadway's empty. Throw the kids in the freaking theater. Right. Like, I don't. How hard is this? Because once again, 
my solution always is if you found six PTA presidents at random, they would figure this shit out by the end of the day. Yes. I know they would. So I, it's like, I don't know who's in charge. There's a part of me and, and, you know, I'm not someone who generally believes that, you know, men and dads don't know anything about child rearing. I don't believe that one bit. I, I know wonderful men, wonderful fathers, but there is a part of me that really wonders if like the government types in charge are all men who have never had primary child rearing responsibilities and have absolutely no idea like how to manage this type of thing. And I really feel like a bunch of moms and and like elementary school teachers, put those people in there. They'll figure it out. Yep. The teachers I know are smart. Like they'll come up with solutions. I don't know what's going on. Uh, nobody asked, nobody's asked my opinion. That's all I know. No well, one has asked me how to fix it. And I'm sure I'd have an idea. Well, our listeners now have your opinion. So I think that wraps up this <laughs> segment of Not Fake News. And I don't know. I think that kind of ties maybe one tenth of one percent of all the crap going on in a nice little bun. What do you got going on this week, Matt? Anything fun coming up? I think the big news in anticipation of next week's show is that I will have received my second vaccination shot. We're taping this on a Tuesday. I'll be getting my shot on Friday. And I did have a fairly virulent reaction to the first shot. So I'm not anticipating having a fabulous weekend. So I'm preparing the blanket, the bed, and the the ice pack and the heating pad. Yes, saddle up. You know, as you remember, we're vaccine twins. We got our first dose the same day. I'm also getting my second dose on Friday. So I have cleared the weekend. I've got lots of Netflix, um, you know, ready to deal with whatever weird night sweats and strange COVID arm and strange things come at me. Um, It's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? To be like looking forward to a shot and knowing that you might feel sick afterwards, but sort of being really excited for it. It's kind of a good problem to have, take it for the team mentality, but I think we're going to have a lot to talk about on next week's show. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, so good luck, and we'll we'll meet up here again, and we'll tell our stories of, of woes following vaccine number two. All right, listeners, thanks for joining us for another exciting episode of Vax On, your weekly digest of fuckery and all that jazz. Tell us what's going on in your life. We want to hear your stories as you get vaccinated and wade through the fuckery that is this season. Yep. Tweet us at the VaxOnPod with the hashtag VaxOn, and we'll gather up all that recon and spit it back out somehow next week. Take care. That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, the conversation continues on Twitter at VaxOnPod. That's V-A-X-O-N pod. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your friends to listen. Vaxon is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. Our senior producers are Brianna Seeley and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seeley. Our theme music is by Chair Model. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com.